Welcome to A Canadian Investing in the U.S., a podcast and YouTube channel focused on Canadians buying real estate with host Glenn Sutherland. In this episode, we're going to talk about the basics to real estate investing in the States. My disclaimer, uh, nothing on this show should be considered personal or professional advice. Please consult a appropriate legal, tax, real estate, or business professional for specific advice for your situation. The purpose of the show is to provide information based on my journey through real estate investing that may or may not relate to your situation. Why buy in the States? Uh, Well, the Americans have a few advantages that we don't have in Canada. For instance, uh, they have 1031 exchange, which gives them the ability when they're selling a property to defer the taxes on it by buying a more expensive property and just rolling from one property into the next one. You do have to use an exchange company, but it's a great way to save some tax money. Um, Turnkey, uh, so depending on the turnkey company, some of them that I've talked to, they give you a two year guarantee. Um, They tend to put a new roof, AC, water heater, new floors, new countertops in the places. Um, depending on where you are, uh, some of the states have fewer moving parts. So tenants buy their own appliances. There's no furnace. There's no AC and they use baseboard heating. So there's really very few things that can break if you're not having to deal with any of the appliances. You're really just talking about the structural things. So you're talking about roof, um, plumbing and uh, electrical. And besides that, everything is on the tenants. Um, in the states, they have phenomenally low property taxes. For instance, my property in Alabama, I pay $460 a year for it. Um, Low cost to entry because the properties are so inexpensive that you can go buy a property for $65,000, $100,000 and uh, cash flow very nicely. Um, The landlord laws, this is state specific, but you really... uh, If you look around, there is, I'll do another episode on this altogether, but they have laws in certain states where you can, if they haven't paid their rent by like the fifth of the month, by the 15th, I believe, you can have them out of the property, uh, which is not even close to possible in Canada. I just wanted to show too how, uh, as you buy a more expensive property, the the rent to value or the, the ROI actually shrinks on the property. So... For instance, if you bought a $50,000 property and the rent was $800, you take $800 divided by $50,000 and that'd be a 1.6 rent to value percentage. Um, Nice easy math would be the $100,000 property that rents for uh, $1,000 a month. So $1,000 divided by $100,000, you get the 1.0, so 1% rent to value. And... If you bought a $200,000 property and rented it for $1,500, this is more where the range is where I'm buying in Canada. I'm buying $200,000 properties. Uh, You'd actually get a 0.75 rent-to-value. What you really want to aim for is to have a rent-to-value of one or higher in order to make a good return on the property and actually get a good cap rate. Um, A lot of reasons that people buy in Canada or even wherever they live is just home bias. They like to buy where they live. They like to be able to see the real estate and they're uncomfortable that it's really far away and they're, they like the neighborhood they live in. Uh, 
Why buy abroad? Another reason is being a landlord inhibits your growth. For instance, uh, if you're the landlord, you can really only manage so many properties. Uh, if you want to have a lot of properties, it's going to it's gonna slow you down. It's actually just going to turn into a job for yourself. Really what you want to have is passive income, not another job. Um, if you have a good team, it really doesn't matter where you buy. If you leverage like a turnkey operator, you can go and buy wherever you want in the world. Well, really, I prefer the United States, but you could buy wherever because you have someone who can provide uh, good contacts for uh, your legal, for your accounting, for rehab. Um, and so you really want to just buy where it makes the most profit, it makes the most sense. For instance, here's a property in uh, Jacksonville, Florida, three bedroom, two bath. Uh, the property is worth uh, 69,950, so basically $70,000. The rent's 9,95, so basically $1,000. So you have a good uh, rent to value. Um, with the expenses, you get a cash flow. This is uh, this actually is using a mortgage, so I have a mortgage included in this. Property management, insurance, and property taxes. You get a cash flow of around uh, $544 which gives you uh, a return on investment of 54% based on having a down payment of 13,900. Here's another one, a little bit exciting too. This is a note in Indianapolis, a three bedroom, two bath, $875 a month in rent for a property that's $68,500. Yes, you can buy new builds for $68,500 in Indianapolis. Uh, that'll give you a cash flow of $465 a month, which when you have a down payment of $13,700, when you include the equity from the mortgage paydown, you'll have a return on investment of 48%. So the next thing, uh, what a lot of the concerns that Canadians have about buying in the States is getting financing. They're, they're like, oh, I won't be able to get financing in the States. And yes, you're able to do that. Uh, I talked to many American banks. This isn't a hard and fast rule. Every bank is different. They have different minimum standards, different loan to values. But what I found, this is sort of the, the general rule I found for most of them. The minimum mortgage was $75,000 and a 75% loan to value. And a lot of them would prefer if you had American credit or a FICO score. Um, I talked to the Canadian banks that are in the United States. Uh, TD was doing 80% loan to value uh, and a 4% interest rate. Uh, they would only allow five mortgages max, and that includes your principal residence, properties in Canada, properties in the US. They did not want to be the sixth mortgage. Um, with RBC, they wanted 50% loan to value. They would do 3.5% interest. Uh, BMO Harris was very similar. 50% uh, interest, 4% uh, 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 rate. Uh, I talked to uh, some hard money lenders. Uh, you can get some short-term loans. Uh, minimum $65,000 was the general going rate. 65% uh, loan to value until you have credit, and then they would let you adjust both of those terms. You might be able to go down a little bit in um, the loan to value and the interest rate. Um, usually they want two to three year terms and then they want you to roll it into some other sort of financing. Uh, 
they said 5% and up, but whenever I actually started to go through the process, it seemed it was more likely to get 7 to 8% for a non-resident without a credit score. Um, so some of them, uh, some some of the turnkey operators have their own seller financing. Uh, this one, for instance, was a 15-year 15 year, uh, 15 uh, loan, 9%. Uh, 60 to 80 percent loan to value and you don't need any credit score or anything because it's seller financing um, they did a uh, three years same as cash so if you could get out of their financing within three years then they would actually uh, I've actually heard they may have changed this to 18 months but if you can get out roll out of their financing in within the term now they will uh, count all the interest payments you did as uh, actual payments towards the house so same as equity payments so it actually is basically getting a 0% interest rate for a short period of time. Um, mortgage brokers, 75% loan to value, uh, 5 to 8% seems to be the going rate. Uh, other financing, I talked about to a person about a commercial loan, 5.5%, 75% loan to value, 30-year, uh, no credit needed. Uh, portfolio loans, uh, they seem to be about... On average, $300,000. Actually, a lot of them are $500,000. There's a few that went down to $300,000. And 75% uh, loan to value. Usually, they wanted to have at least 10 properties in that $50,000. So you need, and a lot of them had $50,000 minimum uh, mortgage amount. Um, I found that almost any bank will allow you to do uh, cash out refi. Uh, with three months seasoning, meaning that you have to own the property with tenants in it and show that it's performing for three months, and then they will allow you to refinance it. All right, next thing you want to do is pick your market. So uh, you want to check the vacancy rates on the state website. There's many real estate-related websites out there, truly. Uh, um, anyway, you can go and find this the vacancy rates in many places to, uh, before you go buying. Uh, landlord laws. Uh, some states you can evict uh, on the 5th, of, no, you can start the eviction on the 5th of the month and have them out by the 15th for non-payment of rent. Uh, property taxes, they're often under $500 a, a year, depending on where you get, but uh, even under $1,000 a year is still really nice. Uh, pick your markets, the cash flow. You want to make sure that you're making money every month, obviously. Um, Make sure your market can support the 1% rule that I talked about earlier. So that if you're buying like a $100,000 property, it rents for $1,000 a month or and so forth. Uh, check for businesses to employ your tenants. You want to make sure that your tenants are going to have jobs. And ideally, you want to find towns that have a lot of big employers that aren't likely to move and leave your tenants unemployed. Um, when I bought my first property, and actually my second and third coming up, the I went with turnkey. And uh, you might say, why go turnkey? Uh, well, I did it because of the ease. It was, it's very, it was very easy. Um, I'm in Canada, so for distance-wise, it was nice to have some other company able to do the reno for me. Uh, they gave me contacts off the start because I was still figuring it out for my lawyers and CPAs that specialize with Canadian investors uh, and the property management actually is the ones who vetted the tenants and uh, 
so whenever I closed the property, it actually had tenants in it and it was already running. I didn't have to go through that hassle myself, uh, which is another reason not to be the landlord. <laughs> um, typically, you, the turnkeys will sell them for 5% under retail, but that is not the case in all of them. Some of them are selling at retail, but anyway. Uh, all turnkey is not the same. Um, when you uh, start analyzing or trying to figure out who you're going to work with, then you you think that they're the same. You might talk to one and then you talk to a second one and you assume they're doing all the same things. But some properties, you'll buy the house unrenovated and they reno it. Uh, the cost is included in the purchase. So yeah, you're literally buying a house that hasn't been fixed up. You're buying one that's a dump, but the cost is actually included in the purchase, like what I just read. But uh, so I don't know, it's a little riskier, but it tends to have better returns. Uh, in that case, you're going to need money for a construction loan or you're basically buying with cash. And a lot of those prop people who do it that way will insist on cash. They won't even deal with uh, the financing. Uh, most of them, though, you do buy post-reno. So you're buying a property that has been renovated and is uh, tenanted and uh, everything's all set up in place and you just basically are buying a, something's all done um, some of them you buy post reno and with a mortgage some of them will do mortgages uh, when you close some of the the actual turnkey providers are, will provide the mortgages or some of them go through insurance companies believe it or not and uh, some have a two-year rent guarantee some don't uh, some have all the repairs guaranteed for two years and some don't. Some just provide a house and put tenants in it and that's it. Um, whenever you start to do this, you want to get a relationship with a CPA. You will find that you a lot of questions come up and it's nice to have someone to bounce them off of. Uh, things you're going to actually need the CPA for is to set up an LLC or your C Corp or S Corp, which I've actually... Uh, and your I-10. I've actually learned that uh, Canadians can't get an S-Corp now. So you are either an LLC or a C-Corp. Uh, you need to, uh, you'll need them for, to do a tax plan and do file your taxes for you, ideally, because I, I don't want to do my own American taxes. Uh, you'll need to get an I-10, for, sorry, for getting the I-10, you'll need a registered agent, which the CPAs will be registered an agent. It's basically a money grab. It's like a piece of paper that has your name and some really simple, your address and simple things, but it costs like $400. Um, you, you, I use them to set up my LLC, but if you're brave, you can do it yourself from the state website. It's very cheap to do it yourself. Uh, when I set it up, it cost me $600 US. Uh, why I did it was for asset protection. Uh, I just wanted to, if one of my tenants decided to sue me, I wanted to, to stay with that property and not come all the way back to Canada or after any of my other properties. Um, it also keeps you from paying a 30% withholding tax to foreigners. Uh, because the LLC is an American entity, it gets around that. Uh, it takes about a week to get set up. Uh, and depending on what state you're in, uh, in Alabama, they were telling me it was $90 a year to keep the LLC alive. I've been told in 
Kansas City, where my next properties are, is going to be about $15 a year. Um, you want to keep things separate. Uh, <laughs> banks honestly don't understand this, but they were trying to link accounts with personal accounts and set it all up. But what you want to do is when you're, you have a corporation or, or even just an LLC, you want to have everything done properly. You don't want to be mixing and buying groceries with your LLC account or corporation account. You want it to be for real estate investing. If you're pulling money out, you want to fill out paperwork for it. If you want to do expense statements, you got to treat it like a real business. Uh, one of the things I learned is you also got to keep monthly minutes because uh, you don't want to pierce the corporate veil. So it's one of those things that you have to do every month. Even if you're a sole proprietor, you need to get a minutes book and just write in it every month uh, what's going on. Uh, I usually just say, this is what we want to do. Are we going to vote on it? So forth. Um, an ITIN number. This is your uh, U.S. entity for tax purposes. It's an international tax ID number. It's basically your social security number for a non-resident, but you can use it in other countries, I've learned too. Um, it cost me $400 per person. Uh, I believe you can get that a lot cheaper with a little bit of shopping around, but I was in a pinch. Uh, it's, well, it's not actually needed. I found that you can get credit cards with your Canadian uh, credit, but uh, ideally you want to get American credit cards as well. Uh, most loans, tax filing, for sure you need it for. You need that for your tax return. So if you buy a property, you have to get this set up. Well, the, your bank accounts are going to ask for it like right off the start. They're going to ask for your I-10 number. But for sure, you'll have to have it by the end of the tax season in order to file your taxes. Um, how to build your credit in the States. Uh, what you need to get is three credit sources. It's easier to get... Uh, oh, sorry. It's easier to get the credit cards and such with an I-10 number. But Canadian banks can help. You could go to a Royal Bank, TD, or BMO down there. They'll use your Canadian credit, get you some American U.S. credit cards. This isn't to be confused with like a U.S. credit card you can go and get in Canada because that will not build your FICO score. It's not linked. It, oh, it won't link to your U.S. bills either. If you're trying to go set up bills, it's, it's a whole different system. It won't pay your insurance. It won't, won't line up at all. Um, some uh, different things that you can use to build your credit is mortgages, car loans, student loans, personal loans, credit cards, other loans. Um, what I like to do is once you got a few uh, different sources of credit, you call Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion, which are the three credit uh, companies in the States, and get them to link it to your ITIN so that you're actually building a FICO score. Um, to set up a bank account, and the name of your LLC. Uh, it basically, when I was talking to the Canadian banks, RBC and TD, they wanted about $125 to set it up, but I got it for free. Uh, usually, they have a promo pretty much like every other week. We'll give it to you for free, and then it's a low fee. Even after that, I think they wanted $8 a month in the second year. But anyway, ideally, you want a bank with someone you want to get the mortgage with. So a little bit of planning helps you. Uh, so if you want to ideally get your mortgage with TD, it would make more sense to get your bank accounts with TD and build a relationship or Royal Bank or whoever you want to use or an American bank. Uh, 
yeah, it's a little tricky to get a bank account with 0910. They're going to ask for it. Um, you want to try and find a bank that is foreign investor friendly. Uh, and I found because I started getting things I needed to pay for and off the start and I ordered, I advised to order checks immediately as it uh, takes a long time for the actual checks to show up in the mail. All right, let's talk tax returns. Uh, so CPAs charge 250 to $600. Um, I'm actually filing three tax returns this year. Uh, it's going to work out to about 700 bucks for three. Um, but once you've filed your taxes, the U.S. banks are much happier to work with you to set up mortgages and uh, lines of credit and such. Um, there is a Canadian tax treaty. And so when you file any money you actually spend on taxes in the States, you can use as a credit on your taxes in Canada. Um, from what I've understood, though, from talking to my CPA, he doesn't anticipate that uh, we'll actually get to a point where we actually make enough money in the first three years to actually pay taxes. So that's good. <laughs> uh, there is a 30% withholding tax when you sell your properties for being a foreign national, which is probably one of the big rumors you've heard that they, they steal your money when you sell. And the problem is, the problem that people face is they bought a vacation home and they don't ever file taxes in the States. But the Americans have set it up so that you pay their 30% taxes, uh, withholding taxes on sale, so you automatically lose it. And they want you to file a tax return to get it back. But uh, people who have vacation homes aren't filing tax returns and they basically just lose 30% when they, when they leave. And that's where that whole rumor comes from. Um, yeah, so they just want you to, they're trying to force you to file a tax return in the States. Uh, and 1031 is exchange is legal for Canadians, which we covered earlier. Um, there is, <laughs> the, I've heard different things with this. Originally, I heard that there was a 30% withholding, uh, uh, basically withholding on rents. And, and that's another reason why I set up the LLC. But I've now heard that no property managers actually enforce this. So if you actually wanted to buy the property in your own name, which I wouldn't advise, but apparently no one's going to actually withhold the 30%. If you would like to be updated on my contacts that I use in the States and my best providers, uh, send me an email. If you'd like to be a guest on the upcoming podcast or the YouTube channel, send me an email. If you have any questions, send me an email. Uh, Glenn at glennsutherland.com. Thank you.